This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another chapter of Harry Tales, the podcast where I, Harry Hill, tell you the tales of my life and whatever else I want to talk about. This week, that includes my teenage dirtbag era, Taylor Swift's just announced album, Midnight's, going to the VMAs, and some other things that I'll get to later on. But first, you guys, I might have been a teenage dirtbag. <laughs> okay, so there's a trend going around right now on the TikTok, and it is people rehashing their teenage photos so like pictures from the early aughts and the 2010s is there a name for the 2010s yet or is it just the 2010s i think it's just the 2010s um i you know was born in the last great year to be born 1994 so that put me let's see i turned 13 in wait okay we're doing math six plus seven <laughs> no yeah wait yeah no yeah six plus seven 2007 i must have been 2000 2007 i would have been two, 13 anyway the years that i want to talk about are like 2011 to 2014 which are my high school years um and I just did this trend. I just posted on Instagram my teenage dirtbag era photos. And while I was looking for these photos on Facebook and Tumblr, I literally went to my Tumblr and typed in my URL and then tagged and then me. I don't know if you guys remember um, GPOY or GPOY, good picture of yourself. Do you guys remember that hashtag on Tumblr? I can't be the only one. So I was looking for these pictures and I was like, wait, there are definitely some good stories here. Um, I don't really spend that much time thinking about my high school years. I feel like I kind of like blocked them out a little bit just because looking back, it's like, oh, that was fun. But during it, I was like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> so... Um, so there are some good stories, though. I think uh, the mo I mean, I'll, I'll I'll talk about my arrest. Should I talk about my arrest? I feel like I should. It was expunged, so it doesn't matter now. My brother actually just uh, saw my Instagram story where I asked if uh, the police station would still have my mug shots, and he said. Um, Harry, your mugshot was likely deleted because you were a minor at the time, which is like, whew. But I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, the great thing about being an influencer is there's no background checks, right? <laughs> um, but I'll talk about my rest. Um, I'm trying to think of like where my teenage dirtbag era really began. And I think that it would have to be the summer between sophomore year and junior year of high school that's the summer where i like kind of cracked so to speak because the first so i went to catholic school until eighth grade and then the first couple years of high school i was still a theater kid and i was really interested in maintaining like my goody two shoes theater kid vibes um i was a good kid like i did my schoolwork, I auditioned for the plays, I had friends, but I wasn't crazy. Like if I heard of a friend, you know, smoking pot or something, I would be like, oh my God, like people 
people smoke drugs? Like, no way. Not for me. But, um, you know, one night behind a Jewel Osco, which is, uh, I was actually, I think it was more daytime, but it was behind a Jewel Osco. I smoked pot for the first time <laughs> and nothing happened. I was one of those people that is, it's like if you smoke pot the first time and nothing happens, you think you're like defective or broken or something. But I feel like that's a pretty common thing where if you smoke pot the first time, for some reason you just like don't smoke it right. And I feel like I, after I smoked pot for the first time, I watched other people smoke pot for the first time. Not because of me, you guys. Like maybe a couple were because of me, but like everybody, like, you know what I mean? Like to each their own but I watched enough people like not smoke it right. And I remember being like, oh, you're not, like you're not smoking it right. Just like smoke it correctly and then you'll get high. <laughs> um, is this gonna get flagged? But that I think was kind of the start of my teenage dirtbag era because my priorities shifted from theater to like wanting to be popular and wanting to I also got a car when I was 16 so I think all of those things created a perfect storm of me being able to like you know um tell my mom that I was at the library when really I was like driving around the suburbs with random girls from math class um texting the boys from math class, if they had any pot, you know what I mean? I think, um, I think dirt bag era, I looked it up earlier and it was, um, the, the meaning, the definition of dirtbag era, because when I Googled it, people were like, one of the top questions was, what does being a teenage dirtbag mean? And the definition from uh, this article from www.hitc.com, which I'm like, wait, I don't know if I trust this. But it says, to explain in simple words, the phrase teenage dirtbag means to be rebellious. It is someone who does not care about what others might think and follows their heart. Um... I definitely cared about what others thought. So I'm not sure if I could, maybe I was just a teenager, not a dirtbag. <laughs> because I did follow my heart. So I'm like half of it. If half of being a teenage dirtbag is not caring what other people think, then maybe I was just a teenager. Anyway, um, Junior year, I came in swinging and I was like, okay, I'm gonna be one of the popular girls. I never did really make it into being one of the popular girls, but I got close a couple times. And I, my, like I said, my priority shifted from like theater to like being socially relevant. And my high school was so big that being socially relevant like didn't really matter because there were a thousand kids per grade. So, people knew who the popular kids were, but it wasn't like, if you weren't one of them, your life was over. Cause there was just so many of us. But um, yeah, I remember that summer vividly. There was that song by Cobra Starship. And it was like, la 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 la. <laughs> um, I don't, I think it was called la 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 la, maybe. But we would drive around in my orange car. I had an orange Nissan Murano. The color was called Burnt Terracotta. And we would drive around in it and we would go hopping between my friend Meryl's pool and my friend Lauren's pool, <laughs> which is very like chic suburban moments. But uh, we went to, I think that was the first year that I went to the Pride Parade too, downtown. It was really the first year that I started drinking. Like that was just when I became like what you think of when you think of teenager. Um, I guess I guess I was pretty pretty on par for the course because that was when I was like sixteen. 
Yeah. And then junior year, 17, senior year, 18. So yeah, I was like 16. I feel like things happen when you're 16, right? I feel like that's prime teenage dirtbag era, right? I was about to put a picture of me and Julia Fox in this teenage dirtbag reel, but that picture was taken in like 20... I wasn't... I don't think I was a teenager. I think I was 21 or 22 by then. So I was just a dirtbag. <laughs> Um, let's see uh, I'm going to answer some questions because I, I asked you guys if you guys had any questions kind of just to like because um, I, like, I don't even know where to begin like how do I talk about my 16 year old self I need, some, I'm, I need some guide rails so let's see here a lot of people wanted to know if I was straight in high school or like did you know you were gay back then kind of questions like that um, yeah, of course. I think I knew way before I became a teenager, but um, I had my first kiss, I want to say, when I was like 17. So, yeah, 16, 17, 18 were like very, like, I feel like I lived 17 lives during those years. Um, someone said tell us more about the pacifier era do you i don't know if you guys are like ravers or like club kids but basically when you drop molly you can wear a pacifier because like you start grinding your teeth <laughs> so just to like have something in your mouth so you're not like chewing through your lips you wear a pacifier <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying this but i um would go to concerts in Chicago, downtown with friends at the Aragon Ballroom. It was like Rusko and Hoodie Allen and Kesha. I went to a Kesha concert at the House of Blues and I remember that we brought a contraband bottle of alcohol. My mom dropped us off at the train and we brought like a water bottle full of like disgusting like brown liquor from whoever's alcohol cabinet I don't I don't even remember but I just remember and I think that was like the way to get drunk for a minute in high school was like raiding your parents alcohol but like taking all the weird gross stuff that was like a million years old and you knew that they weren't going to touch it so you would just like pour some into a water bottle and then fill the rest up with water I did that a couple times I did that with a bottle of vodka so many times that like it it was just water by the end of it and my parents were definitely like what the fuck but before we discovered vodka or we didn't want to like take the main the main alcohol in the cabinet we like went for the gross stuff in the back which is probably like a not as good as just like normal vodka tequila but also probably more expensive and wasted on our dirtbag selves. Um, but I remember the Kesha concert because we took turns drinking from this bottle. I don't think we got drunk at the Kesha concert, but we definitely were like drinking this like, I don't, e I don't even know what kind of liquor it was. But I remember that my friend, I went with Gwen. She wore like a, uh, like a travel outfit so that when we got out of the car at the train station, she like changed into her like slutty Kesha concert outfit. And I was wearing a yellow V-neck from American Apparel. Classic, prime, amazing. And it was Kesha's TikTok era. Like it was her first album. So she was playing a little show at the House of Blues. Um, and it was amazing. But later like junior year senior year we would go um I, I i probably wore a pacifier like three times like i know i made it look like i was like constantly like raving i i was not a rave kid but i did go to the i did go to the concerts the dubstep concerts with my friends and we did you know <laughs> take a pill in ibiza kind of vibes which of these pictures are you closeted in? I was, that's the thing. I was never like closeted. I just wasn't like, um, I wasn't making it a po point to show up to school and be like, hi, I'm gay. 
I kind of was just myself. And if, you know, there was a certain point where if like we were talking about Zac Efron at the lunch table, like I would finally just be like, oh yeah, he's hot. You know what I mean? That it was that sort of thing. It was never like some big, you know, coming out story. So, um, but I also have always been very like adaptable. Like I knew what I needed to wear in order to like look like a normal person in high school. And I feel like in high school, that's all you want. Um, I think today's kids would have a different answer because, you know, it's a different decade and you're more allowed to be like queer and do your own thing. But in 2011, when I was in high school, I was like, let me wear a plaid shirt and some jeans and get by, you know? I was never bullied. I, I didn't really give anything, like I didn't do anything that would elicit a bully to bully me, but I did that on purpose. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was my vibe in high school. So like, yeah, I knew I was gay, but I wasn't like trying to be, I, I wasn't in, uh, we had GSA. Being gay was like a thing, but it wasn't like a thing, capital T, yet in 2011. Like I would say like maybe like fast forward like five, six years and now, especially today, it's more of a thing. Um, would you want to go back? No. Best thing about that age and the worst. Um, I don't like, how often did you sneak out of your window or sneak people in? I snuck out like a couple times senior year. By senior year, I was fully like ready to just not be there. And I snuck out with this guy once and he picked me up in his car. And by that time, I think by senior year, it was like, my parents were kind of used to me just being like, <laughs> like the first time I got caught with pop, my, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I have no idea. Like, that wasn't me. Like, my friends were smoking and then I picked them up. And so maybe that's why it smells like, like, I was just full of shit. But by senior year, I think they were kind of like, not, not that they, somebody asked, like, did your parents ever like suspect debauchery? Is that how you say it? Debauchery? Did they ever suspect debauchery, debauchery, debauchery? <laughs> um, yeah, they did later on when like, it was like obvious that I was like drinking and stuff, but they were definitely like, if you need to be picked up or something like call us, um, which I feel like I only did like once or somebody called for me because I was like passed out on a lawn or something. <laughs> that was New Year's Eve one year. Um, yeah, that was always such a funny thing with me and, my parents would always be like, don't lie. Like, just tell us the truth. And I was like, okay, but like, I can't, what, what do you want me to say? Like, Hey, Hey, I'm going to go get drunk tonight. Like, it's always just so funny to me that that's, you know, but, um, it's like the parents paradox, you know, your parents are like, just tell me the truth. Like I won't be mad, but it's like, but will you not be mad? Cause like, I'm pretty sure you're going to be pissed and you're going to like, take away my rights um which movie soundtrack defined you the most um movie sound i've i didn't enter my movie era until freshman year of college truly like when i learned who like wes anderson was i was like oh okay like i'm in my movie era like i had seen screen caps from a bunch of movies on tumblr but i really started watching movies when i got to college i don't know why um, what 2010s way of life did you vibe with the most? I think the 2010s were just a really, like, especially like, I would say like 2008 to 2012 were just such a prime time in that we had the like beginning of social media, but it, the stakes weren't there yet. So like nobody was getting paid for it. Nobody was really like, it, it very much was for like you and your friends or on MySpace. if you were like meeting randos online, that was also fun, but it wasn't as much like, 
oh, like, let me try to get famous. Let me try to get views or clicks or whatever. It was very much like I had a great night on Friday night and like I want, you know, this guy in my math class to like see this picture of me. But even that, like, I feel like this was even before that, like when Instagram truly was like share a picture of a cup of coffee and like, do you remember Instagram when likes weren't even invented yet? Like there was a time on Instagram where you just shared pictures and that's it. You shared pictures and you could follow people, but like likes weren't a thing yet. Um, and so I think there was just a really, there's no way to know it at the time though. Like there's no way to know what, what you have until it's gone. And I think we were just living in a time where we had the technology and we had the platforms, but they weren't, they hadn't taken over our lives yet. And so we were able to like go party and have fun without worrying that somebody was going to stick an iPhone camera in your face and like document you being a bozo. You were able to just like let loose. And I think that's really what being a teenage dirtbag is, is like letting loose. You want to fuck around and find out. And I posted this on Instagram and I was like, you have to fuck around. Like being a teenager is all about like, fucking around and finding out. And I don't think you can do that with TikTok. If you have an app that just has random people telling you what to do and how to live all day, every day, like, how are you going to find out? And so I think it was like, that was the vibe. That was, that was the 2010s vibe that I really fucked with. Um, also, I just think that there was a sense of camaraderie. <laughs> like, I was what in yeah, 2013. I was 18 in 2013. So, like in 2010, I was like 15 or 16. This is this is the episode where I just spend the whole time doing math. Um, Yeah, it was just like, there was a sense of camaraderie, I think, that we couldn't place until we could look back on it like we are right now. Um, I just don't think we're as like united. I think everybody's like torn apart and ha- there's too many different like views and ideologies to like try to grasp. And I just think that before we had so many choices, everybody was more aligned. And that meant we were all just like, what up? <laughs> What's up? I could just be like looking through rose-colored goggles right now, though. Um, bum bum. Somebody asked, "Who was your muse?" And I like that question because I think my muse was Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus really did it for me. Uh, she was my OG, and I feel like we kind of we like grew up alongside her. Um, I was on oceanup.com every day, which was like Perez Hilton, but for teens. And again, just like golden era of the Disney girls, you know, Selena, Demi, Miley. Um, Do you have a running from cop story? I actually do. This is not the arrest story, but I was in Chicago at a New Year's Eve party with Gwen and it was some rich kid's big ass apartment. Their parents weren't home or whatever. It was like one of those nights where I was like, this is a movie. <laughs> and the cops showed up and I loved the drama of it. Like it wasn't something where like the cops came in and they had flashlights and stuff, but there were too many of us for them to like really like pinpoint us and like make us stand against the wall or whatever they do. So we all like ran out and I was on the street and we were all trying to find each other. And I just remember like running down the street with all the other kids and we're all like on our cell phones, like calling each other. (laughs) Nothing happened. It was just, it was fun. Um, I don't think I have any where the cops, uh, like got me until I got arrested. I guess I'll just tell that story right now. Basically, 
I was picking up my little, so this is what happened. I go, I was definitely a dirtbag because I literally went to this, I don't even know how I knew this girl because she didn't go to my school. Maybe she was a friend of a friend, but I go to this girl's house. She, you know those kids that just like had parents that like were there, but they didn't really like care. Like that wasn't, my parents were definitely like, if I was at the house, they like knew what I was up to. They were like, I couldn't just like go to the basement and like do whatever I wanted. Like I could have, but like, I was like, my parents are home. Like I'm not gonna do anything bad. But this girl was not like that. Her parents were like definitely upstairs. She was, she brought me to the basement. I was buying edibles from her. So I was buying like pot cookies. I think she gave me a, she gave me an edible. She was like, do you want to try one right now? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I, so I eat this edible. I think she gave me like half of a cookie and I bought some more cookies. She's watching, um, what was that show on Nickelodeon with the airbenders? The airbender, I think it was Avatar, Avatar the Last Airbender, thank you Ashley. And she's watching Avatar, she's like sitting in her basement, I was like, what is going on? I eat half of this cookie, I bring the other cookies. My brother is like, can you pick me up from my girlfriend's house? I'm like, sure, my little brother. I go to pick him up, the girlfriend lives in Glencoe. I drive over to Glencoe. <laughs> I'm sitting on the street in my car, just like I pull up in front of the house. The house is on one side of the street is dark because it's like woods and the other side is like residential. So there's like houses. Okay. So this is a dark street. There's houses on one side. There's woods on the other side. I'm like, whatever. Nobody's coming. It's it's not a one-way street, but it's like a street small enough where like people don't go down it that much. There's not traffic. So I'm just sitting there. And I look in my rear view mirror because I'm like, wait, what? There are cop lights in my rear view mirror. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh my God. Like the cookie has definitely like taken place. I'm definitely like, oh my God, like I'm gonna die. I'm like, where the fuck is my brother? Like, he's supposed to come out. I'm supposed to drive him home. I'm like, uh, the cop comes over and my car just like reeked of pot. The cop comes to my window. I'm def I'm like freaked out. Okay. Like I'm not, I can't play it cool. Like I cannot play it cool. Even to this day, I think I would be like, uh, uh. I roll down, I don't, I think I roll down the window or I open the door. I like do something like stupid where like you can tell that I'm just like very nervous. The guy is like, have you been smoking? It smells. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, what would give you that idea? And he was like, I honestly don't really remember what happened, but he was like, he called for backup. So like car, like other cop cars start coming. There's like two and then there's like three. There might, there might even been four at a certain point, but he basically makes me get out and like, he's kind of like, okay, if you cooperate, like it'll be good for all of us, like that sort of thing. He makes me sit on the, the curb. My little brother comes out. There's like cop cars everywhere. He's like, what? They make him sit on the curb. They make both of us take our shoes off to like check our shoes. And the cop is like to my little brother, he's like, do you know that your brother smokes pot or something like that where I was like, okay, like what do you think he's gonna do? Like wrap me out? He was like, no. But he was like, if you have pot in the car, like tell us where it is or something like that. And I was like, it's in the, it's in the hump between the, front two seats <laughs> and I think I had like like maybe like less than three grams like it was minimal and they found it and I got they took they handcuffed me they handcuffed me and put me in the back of their cop car I was so tall and I'm wearing this little Urban Outfitters tank top that has the Coca-Cola logo on it they handcuffed me, they put me in the back of the car, 
and while I was in the back of the car, I was like, oh, okay, like this is this is my like Lana Del Rey Tumblr moment. And it was like I was like on one hand, like, okay, I'm doing it. Like I'm fulfilling the Tumblr prophecy. I'm sitting in the back of a cop car in handcuffs. But on the other hand, my parents are gonna fucking kill me. So I get to the station and they're like, okay, you can call your parents. And I'm literally like, dad, can you um, pick me up at the police station? <laughs> it was bad, it was not fun. Um, my car stayed where they, they my car like, he I wanna say I had to like park my car and it was it sat there for like a couple of days. I was a camp counselor at the time. It was summer, so my parents were like, "Okay, you can drive to camp and back. That's it." And then like no car for a while, and you have to get a job. So that's why I got the job at Abercrombie and Fitch. But I like had to get a lawyer and like go to court, and like it was all very. Um, Luckily, I was 17, so I wasn't 18, so I was like a minor. I got it expunged, but like, <laughs> it was not, it wasn't tea. It wasn't like what I wanted it to be, obviously. Um, I think I had tickets to Lollapalooza that year, and they were obviously like, you can't go. And I remember the first day of Lollapalooza getting like rained out, and I was sitting in my room like, <laughs> oh no sucks for them <laughs> as I'm like sitting home grounded um so yeah that's my that's my arrest story uh no regrets just kidding um and my brother's like it's not even like it wasn't even like I got promoted to the cool brother just because I got arrested I think it it made me more of like the like outcast brother you know what I mean the one that my parents had to like handle but I was still a good kid I still am <laughs> um so that's my that's my arrest story um I don't think I'll be able to find my mugshot but I definitely took selfies in the holding cell so I do have those I think and I will try to find those um yeah Glencoe police find something better to do like actually how old were you when you got your nose job I've never gotten a nose job did you ever come to the party despite being a teenage dirtbag did you still make time for the American girls I'm trying to think about when I sold my Kaylee American girl she was the surfer girl of the year the first one I definitely sold American Girl stuff on eBay in high school and I definitely spent the money on like cookies from Subway at the mall. Like, like just stupid. Maybe I sold American Girl stuff for Webkins. I think I got over like toys and stuff when I was like, like a freshman in high school, which is probably really late and like freaky. Maybe I was in like eighth grade, seventh grade. Don't you wish that you could have like a like a very like set in stone timeline of all these things? Because I feel like I just don't know. Like, I don't know when I put the doll down. When did I put the doll down? I don't know. When did I put the doll down and pick up the bottle? Who's to say? There was definitely like a like a chunk of time between the doll and the bottle, though. So don't think I like, you know, traded Samantha for Sky Vodka. Have you ever made a YouTube video? Uh, yeah, we did some of those like photo booth videos. Photo booth was, see like kids today don't have photo booth. Photo booth back then was literally like, it was one of the first times that you like saw yourself on a screen. Like it was the first time where you could like sit in front of the screen and like you yourself would be like back to you. So it wasn't like, oh, let me look at it. It was like, oh, that's my face. Like, oh, that's like, like, peace sign. I just don't think there was, there's ever going to be another time again unless the internet collapses where, like, you're not trying to look good for social media. But there was a moment. There was a moment. 
Were you a player or a player hater? I don't know what this means, but I definitely was a player because I would never be a player hater. How did you, how did the YOLO era begin? What was the catalyst? I have a picture of me wearing glasses that say YOLO and I was like, YOLO for me, you only live once. I want to say Drake coined it, but I could be, he could have just said it like somebody else could have made it up. But I want to say it was Drake. Zac Efron got it tattooed on his wrist. And I think it was like something about it. I think it was just so simple. You only live once and then you could be like YOLO and you could just say that whenever you wanted to like do something crazy, you could be like YOLO. And of course in 2010, it was like, oh my God, like, okay, I'm going to get two cookies from Subway, YOLO. You know, it wasn't like today, I'm sure they'd be like, <laughs> I don't even know what, I don't even know. I need, Should I have like a 12 year old on the podcast? Should I bring like a 12 year old in and be like, so like, if you were to only live once, like what would you do right now? They'd be like, um, smoke jewels, <laughs> go to the store and get a mango flavored vape. <laughs> That's like the 12 year old kid in my head is like, uh, yeah, vaping. Do kids still vape? Isn't it banned? Um, yeah, the, yeah, the teenage dirtbag era, um, it's different for everybody. It really is. Um, notable dirtbags include Katy Perry, um, Alicia Silverstone. She had a good one. Obviously she's Cher from Clueless. Um, but Katy Perry really like, I think she is what I think of when I think of like 2008, I think of like Katy Perry. I think of like a mustache tattooed on a finger. I think of a hat. I think of a polka dotted dress. I think of kissing a girl for fun. Cause YOLO, you know, that's, that's really what I think. Um, I think the teenage dirtbag can be summed up with YOLO and I think we should bring YOLO back. So with that, uh, thanks for listening to my, uh, teenage dirtbag era. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I need to say about it. I moved to the, I moved to New York city when I was 18. So I guess if we're bookmarking the era by like saying 13 to 19, like your teen years, I guess I was still kind of a teenager dirtbag when I was 19. But I don't think, I think in order for it to be a teenage dirtbag era, it needs to be like forbidden. Like when I got to New York, I guess it still was forbidden, but I had a fake ID and I was like going to clubs. So I guess I was not allowed to be there, but it didn't seem like that because we were just like able to walk in and like, you know, if you knew a promoter and you had friends that look like models that you met on Facebook, then you could get bottle service. And it didn't feel like you were funneling your parents' random brown liquor into a water bottle before a Kesha concert. So I think junior, senior year of high school, prime dirtbag era days. Maybe, maybe it could be a segment. I need to, maybe Katy Perry will come on the pod and I can ask her about her teenage dirtbag era. But until then, um, I want to talk about going to the VMAs because I went to the VMAs. Shout out to Brian who brought me. I got a call on Sunday, the day of the VMAs at like 2.30 and he was like, do you have any plans tonight? And I was like, no. And he was like, do you want to go to the VMAs? And I was like, yeah, what's up? He was like, well, I have an extra ticket because somebody got sick. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I don't know if I have anything to wear, so let me start getting ready right now. I tried on like four different outfits and it really is like something I can, I can dress for a normal day. And I feel like I say this on every episode 
that I'm like, I can dress for the normal day, but then when I have to like dress up or go to an event, I like freeze and I try on all these like ridiculous outfits that add up to looking crazy. And I tried on this one outfit. I'll shout out the lozenge outfit because that's what I started calling it because I look like the guy from Jurassic Park that like welcomes them to Jurassic Park and then shows them how Amber is made. Do you guys remember that in Jurassic Park? He's like wearing all white. He's like a mad scientist character, but it's like all white, but kind of like all tropical also. This outfit just like reminded me of that because I'm wearing white pants, uh, a tank top, and then this big white terry cloth blazer that my grandma gave me. It has these big shoulder pads. It's actually really cute, but um, it still had tags on it. She got it in like literally the 90s, maybe even the 80s, but it's kind of like there's discoloration in places. So I was like, ah, I think I need to dye it a color and then it might be wearable. But I tried it on and then I put on socks and loafers. Like I just looked like I was gonna give you a lozenge and then show you how to make amber. Like that's what it looked like. And so <laughs> I tried that on. I was sending pictures to my friends like, what do I wear? I finally decided to wear these pants that I got from Boohoo Men. Do you guys know what Boohoo is? It's like a clothing brand from Instagram. I wanna say it's like Shein adjacent. So like don't, don't come for me. But I saw an Instagram ad and I was like, oh, these floral like tapestry pants, like let me get them. So I got tapestry pants, I got a tapestry jacket, but I'm wearing the pants. I'm wearing the new Sambas that I got from Dick's. Do you guys know what Dick's is? It's a sporting goods store. It used to be called Galleons. It might just be a, a Midwest thing, but it's called Dick's, which is funny because it's like, okay, you're going to name an athletic store Dick's and you're going to make all the dudes be like, yo, let's go to Dick's. I need to go to Dick's. I don't know. It just, it's kind of sus to me, but I got the Sambas. GQ just dropped an article that was like, Sambas are the shoes of the summer. And I had been seeing them because um, they are cool. And I have black superstars, which look like this, but the Sambas are... Anyway, I'm wearing Sambas. I'm wearing the flower pants. I'm wearing a white t-shirt. And I'm wearing the new Bottega bag that I got um, that I talked about a couple episodes ago which actually holds so much. I was like filling it up and it was like, keep going, keep going. I was like, oh, this is like kind of a clown car of bags. Like you can just like keep filling it up. And then a blazer because I needed to make it look like kind of like I was going to a, an event and not just wear a t-shirt. I was going to wear a white t-shirt that says I got a BBL at Claire's that I bought off of TikTok, but I decided against it. Um, so the outfit I wore ended up being actually kind of cute. I kind of vibed with it. But we drove to Newark, New Jersey, because the VMAs took place at the Prudential Center. And uh, it was a vibe. It was so cool to be there. And it was, it's just one of those surreal things where like when there's so many celebrities in a room, it's almost like you, they like all cancel each other out and you're just like, I don't know. I feel like it's even it the <laughs> when there's one celebrity in the room, it's like, whoa, okay, there they are. Like there's energy around them. But when there's so many just like walking around all over the place, it's like something shifts, you know, and then it becomes like, oh, we're all celebrities here. <laughs> it was it was really cool, though. Um, Nicki Minaj performed this amazing medley of her best hits. She was wearing these gorgeous blue contacts. She looked unreal. And Taylor Swift, of course, was there. I was seated like I could, like I had a direct view of her a little bit from above. And she was dancing the whole time. I think she had to like go, she'd win an award and then like go backstage and stay backstage for like, literally an hour 
And I think it's because she knows that when she is like on the, when she's out there, she has a million cameras on her and she has to be like on, like it was almost exhausting watching her just like constantly, like even when she's just sitting there, she's like, she is Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? Like she, she's not like slouching. She, there's never a moment where she like forgets herself. Um, which is pretty crazy. Must be, she must like get home and like sleep like a baby after that. You know what I mean? Like after you're just like, so, so on. Um, the crazy part is that Taylor Swift announced her 10th studio album, Midnight's, as part of her acceptance speech for winning video of the year, which is the biggest award of the year. It was the last award of the night and me and Brian left maybe like 10 minutes before she won the award. Brutal. Like, we, I mean, we didn't know she was going to come back out. I was like, oh, Taylor is like, you know, I, I, I don't know why I didn't think like, oh, there's a chance that Taylor Swift could win this award and like make the night about her. But I should have known because we hadn't, you know, nothing can top 2009 VMAs where Kanye took Taylor's microphone and Lady Gaga performed paparazzi all bloody like that was iconic. And I think MTV wants to recreate those moments as much as possible, but like you can't gener you can't engineer one. It just has to happen. Like they couldn't have, they couldn't have made the Kanye West thing happen. Like it just needed to happen, you know? And when it did, it was like the most talked about award moment for the next, we're still talking about it. So, um, who, who would have thought, you know? So we left and in the Uber back to the city, we see on Twitter that she had just taken the stage to like announce her new album. And then she was like, so I have a new album coming out and I'm going to tell you more at midnight. And so at midnight she released the, what might be cover art. I'm not sure if it's cover art because it has the track listing on it, which is unusual. Usually a cover doesn't have the track listing on the cover of it. Um, as of right now, there's a side a and a side B there's going to be 13 songs and the Swifties are ablaze right now trying to figure out what genre it's going to be, what the songs are going to be called. If there's like all the questions, um, I think it's going to be a mix of 1989 and reputation. I think it's going to be like that kind of just like great. Like, I think she's coming for next with this one. I think she did folklore. She did evermore. She like did some Taylor's versions, which I don't know if she's going to finish recording them. I want to say she will, or maybe I've seen theories that she'll release all of them at the same time and just be like, okay, here's the rest of my catalog Taylor's version so that I can like move on with my life, which I could see her doing. But I think this album is going to be, show-stopping, iconic, amazing, chart-topping, record-breaking, unreal, perfect for the time, just right for the season. And it's coming out in the best year, the best month of the year, which is October, um, my birth month. So I like to think of it as a little gift for the Libras and the, uh, the autumn lovers. But she hasn't come out with anything since uh, read Taylor's version last year. So, um, she's been quiet and she's been working and I'm very excited. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely, uh, keep an eye on that. Of course I said, um, I tweeted, Oh, she definitely smoked pot. You can tell she's like holding a lighter on the cover of the, the cover of the album or what, might be the cover. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a good album. It's going to be a good era. In the announcement, she wrote, we lie awake in love and in fear, in turmoil and in tears. We stare at walls and drink until they speak back. We twist in our self-made cages and pray that we aren't right this minute about to make some fateful life altering mistake. This is a collection of music written in the middle of the night a journey through terrors and sweet dreams, the floors we pace and the demons we face. For all of us who have tossed and turned and decided to keep the lanterns lit and go searching, hoping that just maybe when the clock strikes 12, we'll meet ourselves. 
Midnights, the stories of 13 sleepless nights scattered throughout my life will be out October 21st. Meet me at midnight. Um, I feel like people who don't like Taylor are probably like rolling their eyes so hard right now. But the people that love Taylor, like, no, we really will be meeting ourselves at midnight. Like, I don't know about you, but I've also been tossing and turning. Actually, I'm a very good sleeper. I usually go to bed like around midnight. I don't have trouble sleeping, but I was having trouble sleeping the other night because I spent like three or four hours looking at apartments because I have to move. And so I'm on street easy until 2 a.m. trying to figure out where I'm gonna live. And that had me tossing and turning. I was like, I don't know where to go. Um, the prices are not COVID prices anymore. We're past that. So now you got to really cough it up. And I just, I don't know. So right now I'm looking at Spanish Harlem and I actually looked at Queens the other day. That's like, like, I, like I love Manhattan would die for Manhattan, but like if I want washer and dryer in unit, <laughs> I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. So I think Spanish Harlem could be fun. I've lived there before. I liked it. Um, and I'm not a teenage dirtbag anymore. I don't go out that much. Like, like as much as I used to where I would like be out all night, every night. I don't do that anymore. Um, I still go out, but like it's more, more tame and with more purpose, you know? So maybe it would be okay to just live kind of very uptown. I don't know though. We'll see. Um, all I know is that come October 21st, I'll be a year older, a year wiser, living in a new place, listening to a new Taylor Swift album, which is amazing and exciting. Um, speaking of my current apartment though, I came back from Beaver Island, which was really fun. It was really nice to be with my family. I think there's this weird, uh, I kind of made it weird for myself with Beaver Island because people really like Beaver Island content and really like when I'm like at the lake. I think it's just fun to see me in like a different environment because I, usually I'm in the city and I'm doing city things, but like, oh, now I'm like in the woods. Like it's kind of, it's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs, you know, it's like me in the woods. And I think people like seeing me interact with my brothers and stuff, it's great. But I think people, I think I led people on a little too much and made it too much of a thing. And now people are like, oh my God, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait for Beaver Island content. And so the whole time I'm there, I'm like, wait, I have to be like giving the people like content when really I kind of just wanted to like enjoy the lake. And I did, I really did. I like took a beach walk every day, walked maybe like four miles a day. I actually uh, continued doing my little workout, which is 10 minutes of lifting weights every day, but like the same, like, I just like, it felt very, it felt like a mature moment. And I know that I was talking about that a couple episodes ago, just like, me in my maturity era. And uh, I really felt like that in Beaver Island, but I came back from Beaver Island. And while I was there, I had my neighbor Valentina, shout out Valentina, watching my plants. And so basically I just give her a key and she waters my plants. While I was on Beaver Island, like maybe the last couple days, this wasn't like an early thought. This was like last couple of days when I was like thinking about getting back to my place. I was like, this was the first time it ever occurred to me that I was like, she could just like steal all my stuff and leave. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was, but like I had this like home, like home alone, like, like, you know, when she remembers that she left Kevin at home, like I had that kind of moment where I was like, oh my God, like this woman that I like don't really know aside from being her neighbor for two years, which I guess is kind of like, I know her. And she's watched my plans before, but for some reason I just had this weird feeling where I was gonna like get back to my apartment and everything was gonna be like upside down and like ravaged. And I got home and everything was fine. And I didn't, usually if I have like a concern like that, 
I'll voice it to like my friends and, and stuff and be like, oh my God, like what if Valentina like stole all my diaries? You know what I mean? Like what if she stole all my purses? <laughs> but I didn't because I didn't want to jinx it and like make it come true. Um, but it was fine. And <laughs> Valentina didn't steal anything. So, <laughs> so double shout out to Valentina. Um, I, would that be an intrusive thought? I don't know. I just, there's something, something struck me. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just like the chaos of August that I keep talking about manifesting itself in this like ugly, ugly idea. The Valentina theft of it all. Very interesting. I was definitely like, okay, but from now on though, What's, what, what do you prefer? Would you rather your neighbor that you have known for two years and like, you know her and you like definitely trust her and she does give you good vibes. And like, I can tell when somebody's like, like somebody's like, mm, I don't know about you. And she's not like that. Like she gives me good vibes. Would you rather have her watch your plans and have a key to your place? Or would you rather give your key to a friend I'm just thinking like, okay, like love my friends, but like, I know that you're a going to like, just like move into my apartment for the two weeks that I'm away and be like, what if you like snoop around and like, I don't know, like go into one of my notebooks where I've like written about you. You know what I mean? Like, which I need to get a safe. I think that's what it comes down to. And I was thinking about that the other day. How do you buy a safe and how do you get it like delivered? Cause aren't they like fireproof and like 3000 pounds. I'm going to look into that. And then I would have my, if I get a safe and I put all my like diary, <laughs> it's not like I've written anything crazy, but like, I just, it makes me uncomfortable to know that like, if I was in Michigan and one of my friends had the key to my apartment, that she could be like going through my stuff. Is that crazy? Am I crazy for that? Which would you rather? Wouldn't you rather just give your key to the neighbor and like pray? I don't know. I'm going to get a safe though. I'm going to get a safe. <sighs> My new place is going to be really cute. Maybe I'll do one of those things where you like switch apartments with somebody. Um, what was that movie with Cameron Diaz? The Holiday. Where they, sw they switch like houses or something. I think that could be fun but my apartment right now is not switchable. Like if, if I switched apartments with somebody, they'd show up and like call the cops. Um, so, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into getting a safe. Um, last thing I will say is making French fries is very difficult and time consuming. I made, I wanted to make like a Harry's diner for my meal on Beaver Island. So I made uh, cheeseburgers and French fries and a Caesar salad. I made homemade croutons, which is easy and fun. Doesn't take that long. French fries. I knew you had to chop. I knew you had to like put them in like cold water to like sit. But to bake them. The oven was at like 450 degrees. I was, I literally, I checked on them once and I <laughs> didn't realize that the heat would like, the heat came up into my face and burned my neck. I had like, like it looked like my neck was sunburned. <laughs> like making the fries was not, Emily Mariko makes it look so easy. I don't know if she's ever made French fries, but like, I thought you just like line them up really pretty on the tray and then like, ding. And then they're ready and they taste like, you know, Jack's wife, Frida. They didn't. I, I had to postpone dinner for like 20 minutes while they kept. And even when they were done, they weren't really. And they were like, ha, like some of them were burned and some of them were so, like, I was just like, nobody tells you. Nobody on TikTok is going to be like, these are going to take five hours and they might be bad. You know, they're like, oh, here's a 30 second video of me making perfect French fries. Good luck. So just a little PSA. If you're thinking about making French fries, think twice and uh, 
don't open the oven because <laughs> it'll burn your face. It really will. Did you guys know that was a thing that you can burn your face by opening the oven? <gasps> I learned the hard way. Learning the hard way, the true mark of a teenage dirtbag. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to be back next week. Um, I'm going to keep reflecting on my teenage dirtbag era. Try to dig up some more pictures. Maybe find the selfies I took in jail. And I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.